Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 118 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, the Mandolin Cafe. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope you had a great New Year, great holiday season. It's great to be back. I had some wonderful time with all my family here in Charleston, but now I'm ready to get back at it, and I hope you are as well. Speaking of the Mandolin Cafe, just a few weeks ago, this week's guest, Simon Dunson, he was actually on the front page, and I had his name jotted down as one of the people I definitely wanted to get to to interview. And he had a brand new album coming out called Chicken Bridge. It is phenomenal. And uh, so it was really excited to uh, have him on. And it was really cool to talk to him, too, to see what a wide variety of cool influences he has. And the album's killer. Uh, if you don't have it, I highly recommend it. Recommend you go out and listen to it, go out and buy it. Uh, as you'll hear from Simon, you can also get a physical copy from him as well. And all that will be posted at mandolinsofbeer.com and in the description of this here podcast. Also, the description of this podcast and on mandolinsandbeer.com, I have a link to my Patreon. I want to welcome Ford, who just signed up. Thank you so much, Ford, for signing up. Uh, that really does make a huge difference in getting this podcast uh, out there. I appreciate everybody who's a patron. Uh, if you can go, and it's it's anywhere from a dollar a month to $10 a month, you can sign up. It's really easy to do. And starting this year, I'm going to start a brand new thing. I'm stealing this idea from my buddy Keith from the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. I snuck into his banjo hangout for his patrons. He does this once a month where all his patrons can get together on a Zoom or Google Meeting um, computer program and they all hang out and talk banjo and they show each other what they're working on talk about what they've been listening to and i'm going to start that this month i'll announce the date next week i believe i haven't decided which one i'll probably do it on a monday night or a tuesday night though so it seems like that's the nights maybe people might be most available and i'm really looking forward to it. it should be fun and you can sign up for any level and you will get access to that as well as there's like 70 plus videos on there of tutorials I've done for the $8 and $10 members as well. So uh, patreon.com, mandolins and beer. Please go there and check it out and support me. If not, just share this on your Facebook and your Instagrams or all any of that good stuff. Any, any way to get the word out is greatly appreciated. I'm also getting back in stock and we should have a new store up here in the next week too. I've got the tie-dyed shirts. I've got the uh, cool holographic stickers. I've got the pick cases with the mandolins and beer logo. Uh, all that stuff will be available for sale again online soon. All right, man. Cool news yesterday in mandolin, John Reichman, one of my all-time favorite mandolin players, just announced a new Peghead Nation course, Old Time Mandolin. Peghead Nation will offer you a free 30-day trial. If you've never checked out Peghead Nation before, just go to the checkout, go to mandolin, or and enter mandolin beer, all one word at checkout, and you get your first 30 days at Peghead Nation free. You can try out any of the courses. They've got everything from beginner to um, experienced and above. And the, the John Reisman one, though, the old-time mandolin, it's really cool. I, I watched some of the lessons yesterday. And uh, maybe I'll even play one next week if I get time to, uh, to to work on one of the tunes. I think that'd be really cool to do. So Peghead Nation, thank you so much for sponsoring this. Also, Straight Up Strings. Roger over at Straight Up Strings. Again, I'm not smart enough to tell you all the science behind why all these mandolin strings sound great, but they do. And, um, and not only that, but they offer you a killer deal. It's priced per pack, $8.95 a set. Um, or you can get a six-pack for $43.95 and save $9.75. That's a great deal. Um, and Tristan Scroggins uses them and uh, CJ Lewandowski. I mean, that guy's got some of the nice mandolins you can find and uh, he uses them. So 
Check them out, man. They're great. And also sign up for the newsletter. It's excellent. This month has a, a thing from Tristan Scroggins on uh, techniques from the pros, a warm-up technique. So that's cool. And it's also got a question. The tips of my fingers often get black while playing a while. Is there a way to prevent this? And there is. And to find out what that is, just sign up for the newsletter. It's free. Just go to straightupstrings.com. Northfield Mandolins. Let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com or download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Don't forget about that Instagram, people. Really, really good stuff. Ear Trumpet Labs just celebrated their 10th year of hand-making microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed to have great feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments for a single source like a mandolin or for a full band. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com. In Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins designed and built in Austin, Texas. All right. Year 2022. Here we come with the Mandolins of Beer podcast. Cheers, everybody. Now, it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, the first podcast of 2022, Simon Dunson. Simon, how are you? Oh, I'm good, good. How are you, Daniel? Doing good. Doing good. How are you? Uh, we're, we're in for some nasty weather, kind of looks like, here in Charleston, and you're in North Carolina. How's everybody? everything looking for you today there? Man, it's been crazy hot here, but but it's allegedly going to snow. I, uh, Whoa, really? <laughs> tomorrow, allegedly, it will, but it's like... 70 right now so i don't know <laughs> wow holy cow yeah, I yeah. do you guys get much snow up there no no it, not really it, it may be like sometimes it'll be like inch or two once or twice oh okay that's not that's and then the occasional weird. you know like six inches or something but yeah wow for the most part nah, it's pretty pretty nice actually in the winter <laughs> yeah same, yeah same here i live in uh south carolina and it's funny because people are always like a lot of northern people are like nobody can drive in snow down here, but in Charleston they literally have one salt truck, so they don't salt the roads at all. And yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's just it just melts and turns to ice until it warms up. So yeah, I can, yeah that's, <laughs> it's pretty crazy to think about coming from Michigan originally, anyway. So uh, yeah. So you got a brand new release out called Chicken Bridge that just came out. Um, the was it December twenty first? uh 21st to the 22nd but yeah like a week week or two ago man it is fantastic I saw it on the, the Mandolin Cafe and played the track first thing in the morning when I saw the post. And I'd, I'd been a follow of you on Instagram. So I'd see whenever you post like some crazy jazz stuff or like, you know, like something that you'd worked out. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is credible. So I was excited to see you had an album coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm super excited about it too. Uh, cause, cause yeah, it's one thing to, 
putting stuff on Instagram, uh, and Instagram always kind of feels complicated to me sometimes anyways, and we're transcriptions, you know, and then, so it feels really good to have something that feels like my own and, uh, something that I'm really proud of and something that feels very authentic. Uh, even, you know, I, I feel so, I'd say, I guess I'd say proud of it, even whatever, you know, we recorded it this summer. So six months later or something. So it, uh, yeah, well, I can see why. And these are all original compositions too. Yeah. Yeah. It's all original music, man. That's fantastic. It just kind of happened to, to come together. I, I feel like I, uh, I was writing a lot, uh, over the last couple of years, but especially uh, when COVID happened, I, I ended up writing a bunch kind of unintentionally and uh, ended up with, a, I guess, a bunch of tunes that I that I thought were cohesive, you know, in my head were cohesive, but I wasn't really, really even playing with people. And then, uh, then I met the guitar player and he's been best friends with the drummer from the album. Uh, the guitarist is Charlie Garnett and the drummer is Kurt Strasener. And they've been like best friends for ever you know like since they were little kids and so then like they have this amazing kind of chemistry and communication together um and it just yeah i don't know kind of a lot of things fell into place at once and i really wanted to record this group like right away because i was you know you never know when somebody moves and, and matt laird the bass player also was uh totally an, an integral addition you know just uh, yeah, it just I just was so excited. We all played together, and I was just so excited. It was kind of like maybe what I'd been hoping for, but hadn't found uh, being up in Boston and stuff. It's interesting to hear that you kind of just started playing with these guys in a sense because it just sounds. I mean, the, the album sounds like a band that's been playing together for years. You know, it's just yeah, really it, great. It just it really like uh, I think it just I met I met Charlie, and I was so intrigued. You know, because. Uh, guitar and jab you know it's the same as anything but especially in in jazz because i think jazz is super broad you know um there's like so many different things and so hearing somebody that that really i feel like plays with a lot of maybe personality or style um same with kurt and matt you know too but um just just hearing somebody that's where charlie does it he's not like playing licks he's not just playing whatever his you know, that West Montgomery transcription he did two years ago or whatever, you know, like he, it's, it really always feels like Charlie's playing, you know, he's not just uh, maybe reciting things that he's practiced or something like that. And so I, I was, just, yeah, super excited to, uh, you know, do something with, with him and, um, and then Kurt is so fun to, he's just so fun. And, and Matt too, Matt's, oh man, yeah. So <laughs> I just had to, I was like, I had to, you know, get the money together, and get everybody to rehearse and figure it out before, you know. <laughs> yeah, did you record, and you recorded it live? Yeah, it's all live. That's um, awesome. Yeah, we did, we did it really over a short period of time, an afternoon or something, pretty much. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. It, um, <laughs> oh, it actually, it was, it was, it was really kind of a, a i don't i won't say funny it wasn't funny <laughs> but like the <laughs> we showed up and then the the computer kept crashing on the and this was i will i'm not gonna say i don't know i don't want to say bad things but like the guy who was engineering and recording has a couple grammys and all this big stuff and uh 
and then yeah the computer was crashing and we lost a couple takes and like we could there was like some hum stuff we couldn't get figured out for a while and it was like super and then uh i had a big kind of uh press kind of uh i don't know you know like photo video plan and it didn't quite go according to plan and uh, so it was really stressful for me and then I don't know. We went out to lunch and like came back and then kind of just bam, bam, bam. Pretty much every take uh, is from, yeah, like (laughs) kind of just right before we left. Just like it just, I don't know, everything clicked. So I want to talk a little bit more about the album and the recording in a little bit here, but I'd love to find out how you first started playing mandolin. Yeah, I, uh, my, my grandparents lived in Galax. Um, and they, they had the, you know, that huge fiddlers convention, but I actually like never, I've, I've gone a couple times during the day, but I've never like gotten the whole, you know, camping, go for the whole week experience. But, but I remember we'd go to the Rex theater like a couple times and, uh, you know, whenever we went up or something. And I think that kind of, kind of, you know, seeing a mandolin there kind of grabbed my attention. Um, and then, and then I, you know, ordered one or you know, use, use my Christmas money or whatever when I was a little kid to <laughs> get one. And fortunately my, uh, my stepmom's like work friend was learning mandolin. So we, you know, found a guy to, that I could start taking lessons with. Um, and then, you know, once I was 12 or 13, it actually worked out that, that there's actually a really great scene kind of I was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. There's a lot of really good players. And so I'm, super thankful that i uh ended up you know getting getting figuring out about some jams that were actually really good killer jams um and and that's you know that's kind of like the best way to learn i think or the best way for me was going to the jams and hearing all the songs and then you know figuring out what people play and and uh and this all kind of just pretty straight ahead bluegrass stuff some of the old in the way stuff but um um yeah that was that was kind of how i got started and then um i ended up going to interlocking which is in you know you're talking about michigan but it's this like camp they do a huge it's like a massive music camp and they also have like a high school like a boarding school and so i i uh i ended up going you know going to the camp and then going to the school there and that was super cool because I, I wasn't doing any you know before i was just kind of doing bluegrass and i'd kind of learn, you know, I learned some, my teacher, Charles Petty, who's an incredible, incredible teacher. Um, but he, he's kind of a Monroe guy. And so before that I was doing pretty, pretty trad bluegrass stuff. And then going to interlocking was like completely unrelated, like, uh, nothing to do with mandolin, just doing, cl- you know, classical music actually. I was in the classical guitar department technically. Did you really dive deep into a lot of the classical stuff at all when you were there? Yeah, I, I I learned a bunch of the Bach stuff, uh, the you know the the sonatas and partitas. My favorite was doing like kind of like collaborating with other people. I, I actually love to do more kind of chamber music oriented stuff, but I did a couple uh, 
there's these like Mozart arrangements for soprano. And then there's this crazy uh, modern piece uh, by George Crumb called Ancient Voices of Children. That's super duper crazy. Uh, and the, the note, it's all this, it's like graphic notation, which if you're not familiar with graphic notation, it's like instead of, uh, you know, just reading music normally, like left to right, it'll be like a whole kind of system that the composer comes up with uh, that, that might be more like visual or use other alternate kind of notation techniques. Uh, so, so I did, that was a huge challenge for me. Uh, and I was, I was, yeah, super happy to do that. And then my, probably my favorite thing is that at NEC, New England Conservatory, where I went to school, we, uh, I got to, they did like Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet, uh, the orchestral suite. And I got to like play the mandolin with the orchestra. And that was, that was, that was too much fun being, <laughs> doing, doing that. <laughs> oh, wow. So, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to do more of that. I need to, uh, need to get on it you know <laughs> <laughs> well you've been going to school i mean you just graduated here technically yeah, yeah. uh less than a month ago <laughs> so yeah, you yeah. got some time now to work on it <laughs> how did you how did you find such a big swing from doing like you know traditional bluegrass taking lessons from a monroe guy then going to a school where you're le- learning kind of chamber music and getting into this uh being the the first um mandolin player brought into a jazz department at nec yeah, I guess I uh, I was at kind of a maybe like a point in my life, maybe you know, where I was like I wasn't really doing anything at home, you know, in Chapel Hill, and so I think I was kind of ready for just some, you know, kind of like a change, maybe life change or whatever. And then um, so I did, and I did, I did the camp, you know, and it's this couple months, you know, it's I forget how long, but it's a month or two long, uh, and and I I kind of just really loved it. Um, and so then I ended up, you know, going to the, the boarding school as well. And it was like, I just loved it and loved it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that the main thing for me is like, uh, people talk about jazz or classical music or bluegrass or old time. But, but for me, I think that, you know, whether it's music I like, you know, if it's music I like, it always feels like it kind of comes from the same place, you know? Um, and so, and it, and it often doesn't really feel, like, I don't think of it that much different. You know, I love Monroe and I love Doc Watson so much. And I love uh, Joe Henderson or Eric Dolphy so much. And it, it all feels, you know, it's in some ways I think about things very simply, maybe where it's like I either like it or don't like it. But maybe <laughs> maybe next, maybe tomorrow I'll like it or next week I'll like it. You know, I never know. <laughs> where did you first get turned into uh, jazz music? Was it someone that you that you knew was a jazz person? Or? Yeah, I guess I, at Interlocking, it kind of ended up that all my friends were really into it. Um, and so then I, you know, then I was like, well, my friends are into it. So I, I decided to, you know, maybe check it out a little bit. Um, and... Uh, I, you know, I, I listened to a couple, I listened to like Portrait and Jazz, Bill Evans album, Boss Guitar, Wes Montgomery. And then, uh, but I remember like Hank Mobley has an album called Soul Station. Thank you. 
think it's just like so perfect. I, I just was like kind of blown away because, uh, and, and at this point I, you know, we're, we're music people. So we're coming, you know, you're always kind of listening somewhat analytically maybe. Um, and so after listening to a couple of albums, I, I kind of figured out, okay, here's the, the melody and here's the solos and maybe here's some hits that are an arrangement or something like that. Um, and so once I kind of could figure out the structure, I just was so, I guess, excited about the, uh, the language that they're using soloing. Um, especially like listening to soul station. Uh, it just feels so perfect. Like every, everything trying to think there's a, I don't know, like Skaggs and Rice or something, you know, where it's like every little, every fill, every little thing, every little inflection all feels kind of like perfect. I wouldn't want to change, you know, I don't know how you would make it better or something like that. Uh, so that, that album just, I don't know, something about like, this is a solo, this is improvised. It's really kind of like blew my mind and I wanted to, uh, you know, kind of figure out what was going on or learn more, but, but not with much intention, you know, not with, I don't know, not with the intent of getting really into it, um, but it ended up being something that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's really interesting to hear that you have such a, a background in bluegrass. I mean, like, you know, like loving the Skaggs and Rice album, just because me not knowing much of you besides, you know, the the album and then, you know, you you going to NEC and following you. I mean, it's, it's cool to hear your reverence for this acoustic music and, you know, assuming that anybody who plays mandolin probably heard, you know, traditional music at some point, but it's really cool to hear that you had those roots in it and, and still that love of it as much as you have a love of this jazz as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, totally. And I, I don't know. Yeah. Some people, I just think they're like, I don't know, Monroe and Doc Watson or something. I just, they're so, you know, <laughs> I think they're so, and, and it's something too, I think about a lot, like, uh, I, th I think a lot of things are coming from a similar place, you know, a lot of things influenced by similar, like, you know, jazz is coming out of blues, um, largely and blues is kind of coming out of like, you know, maybe the African American experience in this country. And, uh, and that's a huge influence on uh, bluegrass as well, especially like if you listen to, uh, like the Monroe Columbia recordings, like in, I don't know, like 46 or whatever, whenever like Lester and, uh, Earl joined it's like a lot of that music is swing based music it's kind of funny because I, I feel like maybe like the later era and the Jimmy Martin era bluegrass boys straighten things out some and but the I don't know you know especially Earl is such a you know he, he plays with kind of like a swing feel so much you know so it uh um so I don't yeah I, I think a lot of the these music uh, it's coming from a similar place <laughs> Totally. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and especially like, um, uh, you know, I mean, say American based, but, you know, like a kind of it's it seems like, uh, you know, even though these things came from like the like you said, like an African-American experience kind of comes from an African-American experience in, in, in America, <laughs> too, you know. And yeah, yeah. You know, and I think it all kind of has the same sort of heart and soul beaten there, just taking different directions. Yeah, totally. I think that's I think. Yeah, like blue, bluegrass and country music uh, and jazz and blues are like, in a lot of ways, the, the I don't know, you know, if you want to think about like culture and what kind of things do we have that are really unique to the U.S. Um, and, and things that are unique to the U.S. that are kind of like revered elsewhere, too, that are kind of, um, it's, I think, you know, 
the, the music we we have you know if you look at rock rocks all coming out of like blues and then a lot of the rock is coming from you know it's british based music but then it's like inspired by all these uh all these you know guys that weren't even uh, able to pay the rent playing you know it's like pay the rent like howlin wolf or something like you know like you know would we know howlin wolf if the stones didn't you know really vouch for him you know i don't right. know yeah, it's yeah, it's so interesting. I was going to bring up that story about how the Stones the first time they went to Chess Records and it was like it was like Muddy Waters or Willie Dixon was like painting <laughs> in the studio, <laughs> and they're like, "What? <laughs> how come you're not a rock yeah. star?" You know, oh, it's so funny to to think how like and you know like you said like again it had this huge impact overseas. Yeah, yeah, or just, just like the Jimmy the Jimi Hendrix story. It's so funny. Man. Yeah. You gotta go to gotta go to England to get famous. You can come back here and be like a rock star. But it's like he was here, he was here all along, you know. And the thing about that, that was hard. It was now. It's like it seems like it's almost impossible. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know. It's a crazy. It's a yeah. Like re- reading about kind of like the music business and industry, like a hundred years ago, eighty you know years ago versus now is kind of unbelievable. The, uh, the changes, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so you, you you go to the New England Conservatory. I mean, at what point was it where you decided like music was something that you wanted to to pursue in a full time manner? Especially coming from yeah. now, talking about you know making a living as a musician, <laughs> record, you know, yeah, it's a little it, bit more difficult. So I guess that's that's a loaded question since I uh, currently don't make a full-time living from music. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. You never but know, man. Not yet. Yeah, that's, you got to work. Got to work for it. But uh, I think I always like. I think I always knew. Or always like. I don't know. I just remember when I was a kid. I you know I wanted to. I wanted to play. Yeah, I just wanted. To, I wanted to play. I don't know. I had like a bunch of harmonicas or something. I was tiny, really little, and then I wanted to play the violin and then I got a guitar at some point and I, I don't know. I think I just always kind of was really fast. You know, I, I just like remember uh, there was some like, I don't know, you know, there was like a bluegrass band at something when I was really, really little and I just, it's like a magnet or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> How did you decide on the, uh, on NEC? Were, were there other schools that you were looking at as well? Yeah, yeah, I would. I uh, I auditioned at NEC and Berkeley and Belmont, um, and I guess what I, what I I wanted to go maybe like it's kind of funny, but I wanted to go somewhere where they maybe tell you that you suck, you know, or really like <laughs> or really critical, you know, because because I, I really wanted to get better, um, and I I do think NEC is good for that, you know. Uh, you will definitely get plenty of feedback on how you can always improve, which I think is a really cool thing. Um, so, and I think, it, I think it, was, it ended up being really good for me, but it, but it wasn't necessarily like universally positive. I think it was actually like a very challenging thing for me. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, maybe in, in all, you know, all the different, different ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I think it was a great experience, but in, in a, not just like a, oh, I had so much fun in college, kind of way, you know. It's kind of like a feels feels kind of complicated. Like I'm really glad I graduated, but uh, but I also got I feel like I got access to so many amazing teachers and um, really like and just conceptually, you know, being in a being in a place because any any see if 
and this is something I wasn't aware of at all prior to. I probably should have done a little research, but NEC is a super avant-garde school. They do a ton of uh, kind of like, you know, 20, 21st or 20th, 21st century uh, classical music, you know, like lots of atonal music, lots of free music with jazz. Um, so, so it's a super non-traditional place. Um, and so kind of like being exposed to all this really, for, and at the time it was really kind of like scary or something. It was kind of weird. Um, it's funny to think that music is scary or something, but like just really, really out kind of weird things. Um, but, but I think I really, um, gained like a, maybe a different conceptual idea of things like being exposed to that environment. Um, and just thinking of maybe, you know, I, I how I think about making music and um, I think is was shaped so much by kind of NEC. So for that, I'm, I'm super duper thankful, even though I wasn't, I didn't always like, you know, love it, love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what students do, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. you know, I think there's something to be said about you, you constructive criticism and, and I don't want to say struggling because it doesn't sound like struggling, but like, you know, working, I mean, that's those yeah, are the, those are yeah. those things that make you get better. You know, if everything yeah, was just yeah. like, "Hey, you sound great," just keep going, do what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you might not be the player you are today. Yeah, and I think that I, I like that. I think that's also what I what I love about music is that it's kind of an endless thing. You know, it's like you you go if you go for a lesson with someone, you're going to get feedback on how you can be better, how you can improve. You know, you're not going for compliments. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah. So so it. Um, and that, that's something I think that can happen too. If you take lessons from the same teacher for a while, or if you are that, uh, you know, that guy that's like super killer, um, that everybody thinks is super killer, you know, I think it's, it's kind of easy to sit in that, you know? So, uh, so I, I liked being in a space where you could never kind of sit, at least I never, I never felt like I could like sit maybe and, and be content with, you know, where I was at. I always wanted to keep learning more stuff and trying to work on different things. So how were you really into jazz then at this point when you, when you applied there, obviously, I mean, you got into the jazz program, but, or, or did you, did you really do a deep dive of jazz once you got there? Yeah. So I, I was, I was really into it, but I, I actually got, I got in, I first was in the CI, the contemporary improv department, which is what uh, Sarah Jarose and Aoife O'Donovan, and other people too, but those are, you know, maybe the, the, uh, the names or recognizable names. But, um, so I did that for a year and I really did not like that. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, that's, and that's nothing. There's, there's a, you know, I'm, I'm one person with one, you know, <laughs> experience. Um, I think it just wasn't for me. I don't think it's, that's a complaint on <laughs> any sure. part. Um, and so I, but I, but I, and I just wanted to work on jazz stuff too, but I, I just, I kind of just thought I couldn't. And then, um, and then, uh, somebody, somebody was like, well, why don't you just try to, you know, transfer? Um, and so then I talked to the director of the department, Ken, and he, uh, uh, was so not, you know, nice enough to, to kind of like be open to me. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he could have just said no, you know, because that, <laughs> <Right. laughs> that sometimes happens, you know, that'll sometimes applying to music school as a mandolin player, you know, some places aren't even kind of receptive to, 
to uh, you know <laughs> something different. So so I yeah it ended up being uh, really amazing that I was yeah I was allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, you have a favorite course that you took? Oh, man, yeah, I do, I do. I they, they have this. I think it's three semesters, and it's like a ear training curriculum. They um, it was so good for me. It's it's specific for like the jazz and the CI department, but it's three semesters and it's just like the most systematic breakdown, like of, of intervals. And then you kind of build up from there. So you find like a song for every single, you know, a descending minor second, a ascending minor second, descending major second, ascending major second, you get like a song or something for every single one. And you learn, you know, you kind of like really get those deeply ingrained in, and then you, build up from there doing you know chords and um different melodies and um that and another class called development of long-term it's got a fancy name but development of long-term uh melodic memory is with this guy Rand blake who uh is super old now he's a kind of a big deal guy but but he yeah that class was so good for me because the whole idea is like how can you learn learn and process and remember songs or you know melodic material melodies faster and efficiently like how can you just like a system for learning stuff more quickly um, and that was so good for me because uh co- like you know you they kind of throw a lot of stuff at you being in college so so this um, is this is gonna be not a ridiculous question i don't think but I, I i get emails all the time and i see posts from people on you know facebook and and mandolin cafe and whatnot you know people are always talking about how can you get better at remembering songs and obviously you know you went to a college course and learned this but if there was one takeaway that you felt helped you to the most that you could maybe you know for a listener kind of kind of give them some tips or a tip yeah i think i think the biggest thing for me is i didn't I, like i for a while I wouldn't let myself maybe do things I was bad at. So like, let's say something's hard, like, like what was something that was really hard for me? And it sounds, it sounds silly now because I feel like I got so much better, but, but like learning a melody, uh, and, and the class, you know, from like a singer, you know what I mean? And not, you know, maybe not like a bluegrass melody, but like a more chromatic melody or something um from a singer something about the singer like made it much harder for me to figure out what like what the note is or something um and so like maybe i would have felt like oh i suck or something you know <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm not good at that you know what i mean and, and not let myself just work on it at my own speed you know because that, that's the main thing i think like transcribing or learning something by ear can be like so hard when you first try to do it and and then there's and then there's always people that can do it with no effort. You know what I mean? Like my friend in, in middle school could hear a song and play it on the piano and he can't, he doesn't do anything with music, you know, he could just do that naturally. Um, you know, something like it. So I think there's always people like that. And then I don't know, for me, I, I just, I couldn't do, maybe I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't do anything at all, but so I, I didn't let my, but then going to college and, and being required to do stuff and then being so, maybe serious about trying to get better um eventually i let i let myself maybe you know like it's okay if it takes me longer to do this you know um and and you don't you know i don't know i think i'd psych myself out so 
I think that that would be my piece of advice for anyone is like, if you can't do it or if it seems hard, that's probably the thing you should work on, you know, because, because practice is about sounding bad in a lot of ways, you know, you don't want to sound good when you practice. Oh, exactly. Um, you know, you don't want to be too comfortable when you're practicing. You want to work on things that are different and uncomfortable, I think with a go- you know, with a specific goal in mind, but with the idea of, I want to be able to learn whatever songs faster, or I want to learn these. I, have to learn whatever i have to learn these 20 grateful dead songs for this wedding gig that i got asked to do this weekend or something you know um i think challenge for me like challenges like that are the best thing where where i I make a commitment and then i'm stuck you know what i mean we're like i'm doing the album you know you book a studio then you're committed you know what i mean Um, (laughs) yeah so i I like doing stuff like that but yeah i don't know you know everybody's good at different things everybody's you know, struggles more with different things. And I think that's, you know, it's not really a contest, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, and again, about, like you, you see, it's, it, it can be discouraging. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about this podcast is, you know, I, I think before I really started doing this podcast, it would be, it could be very discouraging as a player to watch a YouTube video or an Instagram video or what have you, and, and maybe not realize that that might be the 40th time somebody's tried to play that today. <laughs> that they put that yeah. up, you know, every, you know, all that incredible stuff you're watching took time. That didn't, you know, that didn't just happen uh, in 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 the thirty second clip or one minute clip. It's you know, it's it's totally. it's a, a thing of work and and talking to great players like yourself and and hearing them say that, like, yeah, you just gotta take the thing you don't want to do and work on it, and that's how you get better. That's I, I'm so encouraging to hear that. Yeah, yeah, and I I think. Too the something that I think about a lot is like, especially you know going down the the YouTube or especially Instagram too. Like you're seeing all these things and the whole. Well, first off, the thing like Instagram, the thing I think the thing that appeals and works on Instagram is kind of like flashy things. You have like, you know, point you know one you know a tenth of a second or whatever to like grab someone's attention before they scroll past it. You know, and it's the same on YouTube, but maybe less you know a little bit longer. Um, and so I think that 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 works really well for certain people. Certain people are really good at that game, but but other people are are really good at something else. You know, like would John Reichman have, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of subscribers on Instagram if he was eighteen right now? You know, um, you know I don't know, but but he writes such beautiful songs and he has such a beautiful tone on the instrument, and it's worked out great for him. But so. So, I, yeah, I think, you know, everybody has their own skill set and the things they're good at. And I think, you know, rather than worrying about how can I play this faster, you know, it might could be good to worry about. You know, this is what I, I try to do is, is worry about what, what am I good at and how can I play music to, to highlight, you know, my own strengths rather than worrying about because somebody's always going to be faster and cleaner and has more technique and you know, can play every Monroe solo ever or something, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing is like, I mean, there, there already is a Sam Bush. There already is a Chris Thiele, you know, it's just like, I mean, you can play exactly like those guys, but eventually, I mean, don't you kind of want your own voice? I mean, I think you'd want someone to listen to a recording and be like, oh, wow, this, this guy's a great player without thinking like, this guy sounds exactly like so-and-so, you know? Yeah, and I and I think it's good 
for uh i think it's good for the community too the the music community the mandolin community whatever kind of genre or scene you're you're doing things in or even if it's just you at home but but i think doing different things is and this is something that that i talked about with joe walsh some but it's like you uh you know mandolin is really kind of specific you know it's like the the breadth of style and players is is relatively narrow if you compare it to like guitar or piano or something like that you know um we, we operate in like kind of a, a very small world and so uh i think i don't know i think anything yeah anything that that feels like i don't know something that's your own or something that's different uh is really exciting whether or not you know yeah maybe that one whatever the one old guy that comes to you know your gigs might give you crap about something but you know that, <laughs> yeah you know you gotta ignore that sometimes <laughs> yeah exactly it became my favorite thing for a while <laughs> playing a lot of gigs i ain't bluegrass <laughs> yeah it's like well who cares that's the thing that gets me too that's that's actually something i feel super strongly about is people the grass holes you know <laughs> where, where yeah. they're, they're so so worried about tradition and um and i do like that people are, are concerned with kind of preserving you know that's kind of what folk mu- kind of folk music or folk art is maybe it's like trying to preserve a really specific thing rather than uh exploring new things but i also think monroe fundamentally uh is such a open like was such an open-minded person since he he kind of combined a lot of different elements to create his own style, his own sound of music. Oh yeah. And, and he also spent a while trying to figure out what, like, what's the best band that's going to, you know, like figuring out the roles of different, uh, the different instruments, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, you know? Um, I think that's like a huge, huge thing. And then just figuring out what to do with the mandolin in a lot of ways, uh, like listening to the Monroe brothers stuff and then listening to, you know, Monroe and the, later 40s or something it's like he figured out a lot of stuff in that that decade you know um and and he had he had an accordion in the band he had you know he had some guitar solos before he cut all the guitar solos out (laughs) 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 you know uh yeah so i i think it's i don't know i i just think if you if you're hating on thing that things that aren't bluegrass you don't maybe understand what you know who what monroe did fundamentally in music you know and again like i i'm all for i mean just any time another band that's maybe not super traditional quote unquote comes along and becomes really popular i mean it just makes guys like it just the the people will go back and find bill monroe a percentage of them will and i think that's the important thing is that just to keep yeah. you know just keep that alive you know somebody's you know somebody listened to rem bought a mandolin to play losing my religion and discovered bluegrass <laughs> yeah know? yeah that's what i mean it's all i think it's all good stuff you know like uh it's like oh brother where art thou or something like what that movie did for acoustic music and um, you know kind of roots music like just just a movie you know what that did for for an entire kind of huge industry or uh you know what feely's done bringing a lot of attention to to bluegrass through different you know different worlds and then what i think you know someone like billy strings is doing right now you know um it's like you're connecting a, a kind of like a massive audience to a more niche thing and and i think that that whether or not you like 
what they're doing is you know kind of irrelevant to that they're they're doing a really i think a really good thing for uh you know supporting the music so we can have you know more festivals and more workshops and more just resources available um to you know to people who are already interested well speaking of of voices one of the things i really love about this new release chicken bridge is kind of already seem like you might have an idea of a voice in your head because i think you get some really really cool unique tones that still sound like mandolin um and i think it's 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 really really impressive and i love i i love players who play through effects i find it fascinating and so i really would love to to talk to you a little bit about like you know some of the the thoughts behind a few of these songs and and um and I love the title and the song titles are also <laughs> there's a couple oh, I think are really yeah. cool man so I have to ask yeah. you Chicken Bridge how did you name the album yeah I guess that you know naming it naming things always feels really hard but uh Chicken Bridge is a road I guess there's also a bridge so there is a bridge <laughs> it's like a road road kind of where uh where I grew up and uh. You can go, you know, you can like, if, you, if you're into like canoeing or kayaking or whatever, you can like, you know, uh, it's like a canoe access. Um, and you can go, you know, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's a place, you know, me and my brother used to always go fishing there uh, when we were kids. And I guess we still do sometimes. Uh, and so, yeah, I th- and, I, and I, I think it always has, I don't know, it's kind of a fun name for a road, you know. Uh, fun name for so an album. I, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it. I think it's it's a place that that maybe seems significant for me, and um, also, uh, you know, I think this album was a big surprise to me because you go to. I was going to school at Bo- in Boston at NEC, and you're surrounded by a million amazing players at all times. You know, um, so I just was so kind of, I don't know, excited that that I like came, you know came back home and um met all these amazing people around here you know um so what was the oldest song on the album how many of these were um written well in advance i know you said you you did a lot of writing during covid yeah man what lullabies the oldest like some some I, I thought it was a little thing and then i i could never uh I, I i've written like a bunch of i like revising things when i write them i like to write it and then change things and so i i wrote lullaby a while ago maybe th- three years ago or something four years well i don't know at this point you know, but, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, sometime when i was in college um and then i i yeah i i've, I've revised it a couple times i've written a melody to go over it a couple times I think i tried to put words to it a couple times <laughs> <laughs> and and then i i never liked any of it so i uh but then i still always you know i don't know i 
And that that actually is the only that's the only one where uh, Eli, my friend who mixed and mastered it, he uh, he put some kind of like effects stuff on that a little bit. So so that's not purely you know purely me purely live. I will I will admit. <laughs> <laughs> It's a hot take. Mandolin's a yeah. big hot take. <laughs> yeah. But uh, every, everything else I think is kind of like when COVID happened, uh, I wrote most of them. The shrimp one, I think maybe I wrote like right before everything got canceled. <laughs> um, when uh, you go into to these with, to these tunes, do you have like an idea, you know, when you, when you maybe start with a seed of a song idea? and say like for instance the song sydney um yeah. which i love i love how it's it swells in with kind of like you know reverse sort of things and yeah and then it comes into this really really cool me- melody almost comes to this like almond brothers sort of uh vibe yeah, yeah. to me which i'm just like oh my god <laughs> like i was hooked yeah. the first song in i'm like oh this is this is gonna be great Did you like for that song, for instance? You know, how, you know, how does a song like that come about, and and how does it end up where it it is? Yeah, that's a. I guess I I maybe I'll have a general like the intro or something. The intro I was messing around. The intro actually is a, I put I swapped the octaves on it on a mandolin. I put like an octave lower or an octave higher on every string. It's kind of a funny. Oh wow thing yeah so that and then i and then i you know did a quick switcheroo at some point during that intro um but so that the intro was just kind of like maybe the day day before or something i was messing around um and but but a lot of it which was really fortunate this is something that i haven't really had before um was we actually got to you know we actually had had a fair number of rehearsals and played a decent amount of gigs uh before you know the months kind of leading up um and so so that was cool because not only did they they all you know actually really learned the music but uh then you know they learned the music and then we had some time just to workshop things and just to get comfortable um so yeah in this case it it was kind of nice we were able to to come up with that you know the idea of pacing you know that pacing it kind of slowly building really slowly um that was something that we could really talk about and like try and then try again and you know um but but for the most part there's like i would say the arrange like i wouldn't say the songs are very arranged you know um other than stuff like that you know where we'd be like okay like we're gonna 
start out pretty, you know, laid back and then we're going to like grow really slowly. Um, something like that, you know, um, cause yeah, I, I like to keep things kind of simple and I like to, uh, I don't like to tell people to do too many things because, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, the other, the other musicians have so much to offer and, and, and I think the the hardest part about finding people to, to kind of develop a group with is, is finding people that make decisions and choices that, that really are surprising or, or exciting or interesting or, uh, you know, maybe line up really well with your own, you know, and, that, and that's something that, it's, it's i think it's can be easy to find people that are good but hard to find people that um you know when it comes down to decision making you know you you end up in kind of a interesting place together uh well you and charlie play off each other really well too um i think your solos um let's say mirror each other but you can definitely to me it sounds like you're playing off each other's ideas which i think yeah, also makes it yeah. a really cool cohesive album I, you know, the, you know, I, and I talked about Charlie a bunch earlier too, you know, I think everyone on the album is so, so amazing. Um, that's why, you know, that's why I was so excited to try to record with them, but Charlie, like, and this is a case with any, maybe like comping instruments, um, you know, chordal playing, um, is like, it's so hard to find people that don't just play chords over you. Don't just smash out chords over you as a mandolin player, because we can't offer, you know, that's why like playing with a piano can be so hard is because the piano can do so much. The piano can like, has this huge range. They can play all these crazy voicings. They can do all these different things and they have so much influence over the group. And so the mandolin is a much different thing. You know, we have a very limited range, limited sustain, uh, you know, limited voicing options. And so, so you kind of have to get by maybe a little more creatively and you have to find a band that's going to take what you can do and, and try to complement that, you know? And so Char, that's the, honestly, that's the, the reason I was so excited when I met Charlie is because I found somebody that we could have some interplay and, with comping, playing chords together. Um, because in, in bluegrass, you know, everybody has a really set role, you know, the mandolin chops or does some sort of, you know, chop related thing. And the banjo might roll or the banjo might chop. The fiddle player might chop, might play fills, guitar plays rhythm, you know, everybody trades off with fills, stuff like that. But but in jazz, it's like usually there's one chordal instrument because there's not set roles. It's kind of it can be really kind of just wide open on what, you know, rhythm you accompany with or what chords you play, even, you know, stuff like that can be really fluid. So when two people do it, it can like very quickly become uh, kind of like chaotic or disorganized <laughs> or, or they can yeah. clash, clash with each other. Um, and so I just I really couldn't believe I, I you know, I met <laughs> I met somebody that, that I felt like we were really working together. We weren't having some sort of like competition or ego thing or something you know <laughs> yeah it's really it's really great man i, I just really do I, i'm i'm glad i wasn't off on that saying that you kind of mirror each other a little bit because it's it's really impressive to hear each solo because they and it's the other great thing too is the dynamics on this album are really great man you know like oh, the, it's, yeah, the solos yeah. are like little journeys <laughs> 
Totally, totally. And and you're right. Charlie's always Charlie's always up there. He's making me sound bad playing too good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Before I ask you a little bit about gear, because I, I love the tones you're getting too, but I also want to compliment you on your your choice of um I guess it'd be double stops. I mean it's definitely two notes playing at a time, but the it's not yeah. your traditional um I just love the colors you use on on some yeah, of them i mean yeah. it's just like uh, okay i gotta i gotta work on that i gotta figure out what that is <laughs> totally that that's something that i uh you know a lot of you and i think mike marshall does this too but like three three note voicings on mandolin playing chords with three notes uh lies quite well on the instrument and then you can you know add four note voicings also but then if you just play double stops you can uh you can work in the lower range of the instrument more which is kind of like closer to the sweet spot i think in terms of uh chord you know chords like like you can like buy a book you know on arranging or something and, and chords sound best or fullest in like a certain range you know and and we're like a little bit above it so, <laughs> right. so I, I, uh the double stop yeah I, i've been kind of i've been really excited about double stops in in that way because you could play two double stops instead of playing one chord and get more information in there in a better spot, you know, um, in a better register, you know. Um, but it's a, you know, work in progress. But um, that just makes me excited to hear the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, man mandolins do double stops so well. You know, I think that's something that, like playing sixth or something, you know, sounds so good and works so well. So it's like uh, figuring out a way to use that, use that, you know, kind of, what you know what does the mandolin do well you know um, and try to do more of that you know <laughs> we have a very unique um setup too now did you play were you plugged in for every song through like a like yeah. a pedal board okay cool yeah every yeah everything's through into my board into just one amp um there was a an acoustic like a mic on me but um i don't i don't know if and a lot of it was kind of drums anyway, since it was live. So. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of snare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I think it's mostly just the amp sound. What are some of the pedals that you use? I uh, I really love um, the the tone at Always Always, the, the, that you yeah, use at the beginning that. Pedals are also also are so they're so fun and you know dangerous. You're gonna have to spend all your money on them. But, <laughs> right. Um, but I think there that's another thing where it's like, how do you use a pedal and, and have it not feel like a gimmick or just feel like you're just turning on distortion or something? Um, how can you use them to you know enhance things? Um, and that and and a lot of what I'm doing I feel like is is really based off what Bill Frisell does because I've kind of like obsessed and analyzed his setup a lot um, <laughs> um but but so i yeah and always always so i'm, I'm using a it's called the pog i guess it's the micro pog p-o-g um and it's an octave pedal and i've i think i've bought and owned every, like 
every octave pedal um <laughs> and you know and um this one i just i just really kind of like the sound of and i for a while i was maybe like worried that that i liked the sound of it but it actually sounded bad or something quite <laughs> <laughs> questioning but then but then i think it is kind of a nice maybe they're like spices or something you know a little bit of something for here a little something there rather than a always on kind of thing so yeah i love i love that um i i have a carbon mxr carbon copy delay that i set you know pretty much inaudibly just to uh kind of give the reverb a little more something uh i, I like what it i really like how it interacts with the reverb on my amp which i love i have a coulter micro pro oh wow yeah um and i and i, I man i really love that amp um it's funny i actually like gotten like a big stink with quilter customer service at some point so i don't think they like me but i really <laughs> love the <that> amp <laughs> um i paid and got it fixed and i love it so um it yeah and it, it's been plenty loud enough for any, anything that i've done um and i think the other the other things is i have a, a i use the mxr clone looper but what I do with I, I use it because I can flip it into reverse and then I can flip it into half time or double speed. Um, like with my foot, you know, I can all do it with my feet. And that's because uh, the, the Line 6 DL4, which is kind of a big legendary pedal. Oh, yeah. Big green um, one, right? Big green one. Um, they, they, they'll like break and stuff. So I didn't want to pay 300 bucks for like a big pedal that was going to break. Um so this I, I was actually kind of waiting for somebody to i remember that they like announced this and i like bought it instantly you know like, <laughs> um be, because you can get an external foot switch and, and flip your loops into uh reverse half time double you know all of those all you know with your feet um and then i'll, I'll use a freeze pedal a little bit for kind of in conjunction with the looper and then i have a overdrive that i never ever use but it's, it's here um <laughs> and i i'll use a chorus pedal what i like to do i'll set it where it's like maybe like a little bit more like you know like a little bit more chorusy than the mandolin already is you know and so then then if uh maybe like a solo is kind of like building energy or something i can i can put it on for like a second or something or sometimes i'll leave it on um and in it sometimes can be really i think it can be uh really nice to kind of enhance the maybe you know evocativeness of the mandolin since it's already so chorusy <laughs> yeah well yeah you use them you spices that's a great way to describe them because again um you know the danger of pedals is there's plenty of people out there that just even guitar players you know probably more because you don't see a lot of mandolins with them necessarily but you just, it's just doesn't even sound like the instrument any longer like you know and I, 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 you know if, if a mandolin's going to sound like a les paul uh, then I yeah mean, just play and, a les paul <laughs> and that's and that's why i i have a h-string mandolin it's actually just an acoustic you know it's actually a really nice acoustic yeah what's what is uh what is your main axe i have a gerard they're made by uh max gerard and then Lori, his his wife does this finishing um and they're they're in rhode island and i had a gerard when i was when i was a kid well 14 or 15 i got one 
Um, and I kind of just played that until I, um, and I, you know, and I really liked it, um, and ended up continuing to like it for a while. Um, and then I converted a, uh, cheaper manual, like a, the lore, you know, um, I got somebody to install a, a, a Ken Armstrong humbucking pickup, uh, float like, and then, so it's floating at the end of the fingerboard and then put a couple knobs on it. And then I, I ended up just pretty much playing that the lore mandolin for a year or two. And so then I was like, well, you know, I got some, some money together. So I got max to uh, build me, uh, you know, build me a, a Gerard since I, I've played one of them for a long time and played a, you know, half dozen or so and liked all of them. So I took the, you know, took, cause it always feels like a, feels like a risk, you know, ordering a mandolin. Sure. Don't know how it's gonna... And then it, uh, yeah, I just, I just totally, totally loved it. Um, it's been, it's been actually really nice. I don't even have to, you know, I don't even go on mandolin cafe and look at the classifieds anymore. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause yeah, I, I love this one and I, uh, I just, yeah, I will say if anybody out there is interested in electric stuff, you need adjustable pole pieces. <laughs> it's like, I had the hardest string balance is a, a big issue. And for me, I found these Kent Armstrong humbucking pickups, uh, to, to be, I really like the character they have. They're very dark, but he can make them so they're brighter. And then I actually even, it has two rows of pole pieces. And they, they're screws. Um, and I actually just unscrew one of them completely on the G and the A. Um, because, and just so it, because the G and the A will be real hot. Um, and I did that because Jason Anik has a single string one with one of these pickups. And he did that. And I was like, man, that's a great idea. Um, so that that's my only, uh, yeah. I think the yeah, I works for me. <laughs> there, what you said, you have a overdrive on there. There's there's a couple tunes. Is it maybe Bumblebee or Gym Class starts out with um, kind of like a just the acoustic sound sound, but it kind of has a little breakup in it. Is that just the amp? Yeah, yeah, my amp has a little breakup, and Eli, my friend who mixed and mastered it, I know did some stuff with gain staging, but but I, we had a couple back and forths to work on kind of with my tone. Um, so so I can't tell you exactly what what he did mix wise, but but I think it's pretty much just the amp um, breakup. Yeah, the the quilter amps are kind of like maybe like a it's like a modeling amp so it kind of like simulates a tweed amp and the breakup you get um but but i've you know maybe lately i've set my gain a tiny bit lower (laughs) as well it sounds good i think it adds like a really cool dynamic because it's you know it kind of gives you that i mean that old jazz vibe of of stuff when you know the 
put a little just put a little bit more effort behind the 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 notes and you just hear that break up a little bit and it kind of gives totally. you that yeah it gives you that feeling of yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah man because yeah you were we were talking about grant green earlier love him he yeah there's a couple i need to find there's there's like one or two songs where it's like you can tell the band got loud because his his sound really starts to break up <laughs> yeah. and it's so good. yeah it's so, it sounds so good yeah he's he's phenomenal he is like uh just one of the guys yeah. that if i'm looking for outside inspiration you know that just yeah. i'll throw that on and and eat the the sonny clark one that he did with him and then the um which is like a double album yeah and then um and then some of his funkier stuff too where he just uh just gets at it and i'm like oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> oh it's so good yeah the out al- my favorite he's got some album with tico tico on it or something Simon and again um congratulations on this album because it, it's excellent and I'm um I've sent uh a f- sent links to a few different people here uh in the last oh, yeah. couple thank days cuz I'm yeah. like you got to hear this this is so good Oh no thank you man I really appreciate it <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure so um the, one of the questions I like to ask is if you had 10 minutes a day to work on something um because not everybody has an hour or eight hours or or like that um what would you recommend somebody work on oh man or what would you even necessarily work on you know it could be anything yeah loaded loaded too what i would work on is uh i've been trying to put do some stuff or maybe i play a song and uh whatever what was i doing before this dream a little dream of me it's kind of you know whatever mm-hmm. just song that you might know um and then I'll, I'll put like i'll try to do something with the bass like play the bass line and the melody at the same time but maybe i play the bass you know the bass note on the and of four or something and each one and go through the bridge and then i might kind of go through different variations on because the bridge is just kind of a one six two five progression so then i might kind of do different variations maybe i'll do this melody with a three six two five and maybe i'll do the melody with a three six two five that i do some different you know i guess substitutions with or something but 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 i don't go into it with much goal maybe i'm just like i'm going to work on the bridge for this just and that's just kind of arbitrary it just happened to be something that works well for the this purpose you know because i i like to i like to use songs you know as a maybe the the me like in develop develop practice around kind of songs and stuff so then it's like a direct application to uh playing um but but if some yeah i don't know i think if someone else if you only have 10 minutes um i don't know i think i think just you know joy from from playing, you know, the mandolin and or whatever you play or making music is, is probably the first priority. So um, I might, you know, I don't know, not even necessarily worry too much about um, what I should do and maybe just do what you want to do. Um, 
and then and and that'll likely as it always does <laughs> lead to to something that you want to do that you can't do and then you know break try to break things down from there and figure out what the what's what's uh giving you trouble you know yeah i think breaking th- the the breaking thing down is that's the one thing that really i would say in the last two years for me um has been like like i feel like at some point i can play anything maybe not to tempo but i know that if i sit down and break it into little hunks I'm going to figure out what it is. If I take it slow, slow it down, go a bar at a time, go half a bar at a time. At least you're going to figure out what it is that makes that sound cool. And, you know, I might never be able to play it up to uh, the blazing tempo of whatever it is that I'm that I'm listening to. But at least I'm like, "Ah, I'm going to take something from that. And somewhere it's going to work its way in, you know, just knowing that. Yeah, totally. Breaking it down. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... I was just supposed to do some recital or something and I was asking my teacher at the time and about whatever, you know, whatever speed related. And he said, practice it at half speed, like take whatever you want to do and do it at half speed for like a couple of days and then, and then see how it feels. It's, it's kind of a, uh, kind of a funny experience. Like it, it does so much, even though you're like <laughs> playing like, uh, you know, can be, uh, absurdly slow <laughs> yeah yeah for sure it's amazing though when you uh, again the, the, that playing absurdly slow sometimes though if you start just kind of slowly bumping it up the one thing i always find especially if i force myself to play it multiple times without screwing it up no matter at what tempo it is yeah eventually you're, i'm always surprised like oh man i'm at 90 percent. you know you just kind of get lost in it and you're not paying attention to the percentage you're just paying attention to playing it and getting the more you play something it's almost like like a meditation you know, where it's totally, just like, totally. yeah, like you're getting lost in it and I bump it up a little bit more. And then next thing you know, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> way ahead of the yeah, game here. Totally. Totally. And I always, I always end up bumping it down and then, and then I'll get lost in like some little thing at really slow speed. You know, you do it really slow and you realize every, every pick stroke is <laughs> sloppy. <or> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> even, even at, even playing quarter notes at 40, like it sounds sloppy and then you know two years later or, or. yeah exactly like, hey man i i got it down <laughs> i think i'm getting better or <laughs> and then uh, the final question is do you have a favorite beer oh oh yeah the favorite beer uh to- all right full full steam uh it's like a local brewery in durham and they have a toto vapor it's like this mexican lager and that uh, you know, that would that would probably be probably be my favorite top of the list. <laughs> yeah, I love a good Mexican lager. Huh? Oh, I mean, it's not too many beers I don't like, but yeah, whenever I see a Mexican <laughs> lager on there, I'm like, ah, let's I'll try that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, Simon, congratulations on Chicken Bridge. Where can everybody find you online? Oh man, well, there's a SimonDunson.com. Uh, that's me, and uh, I, I have an Instagram. Facebook. Um, if you want to, you know, if you want to listen to the music, it's on uh, all the streaming platforms. Um, but you can also, you know, get in touch with me through my website, and uh, I can send you a CD um, if you're if you're a CD person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they can also contact you about lessons. Yeah, yeah, I, I do lessons. I have a you know a studio of, of some people, and I yeah, I'd, I'd love. Love giving lessons, love kind of 
breaking things down, figuring out what people's goals are and, and trying to work towards those. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully uh, we can meet in person here once everything normalizes. We're not too far away from each other. so. Yeah, I know. I got to go. My The guy, my, Eli, my friend who makes a master, he's a Charleston guy. Well, oh, he's in Miami hear. right now, but but yeah, Eli Eli Braddock, if you ever. Oh, okay. I know the name actually. Yeah, he's a great uh, guitar player. He's, I don't know, yeah, twenty, maybe twenty, twenty-two or something. Well, dude, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Daniel.